Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. So recently, I had to purchase bifocals. <laughs> For the majority of my life, I haven't needed any kind of corrective lenses to, to help me see. But about, I would say, six months ago, I noticed a degeneration of my eyesight. And personally, I don't, I don't mind glasses. I mean, honestly, they give me the, like, it, people think I'm intelligent when I'm wearing them. And so I'm, I'm down with that. Uh, but what bothers me is this feeling that I have when I'm not wearing my glasses, when they're, they're not close to me for me to access them easily, but I have to read something. Recently, I was at a restaurant, and I'm trying to read this menu, and I'm like, oh my gosh, asking the waiter to hold it you know, further away from me so I can read it. For me, there is this feeling of powerlessness that comes in that moment right? It's not that I can't see. I'm okay with that. I can, I, we, corrective lenses are available to me, but, but it's really, for me, it's the fact that I'm not able to do something that I used to be able to do, right? In that moment, I realized that I have no control over the deterioration of my body. And, and of course, I mean, there's so many other ways that I'm experiencing this. I'm sure I physically can't do all of the things that I, I used to be able to do. And for me, the, the powerlessness that I feel in that moment is, is really disturbing. It's overwhelming. I've recognized how, how this feeling, this lack of control, is present in many other ways in my life outside of my physical experience. And for me, it, it, what it happens is it manifests itself in a form of paralysis. You know, when, I, when I'm not in control of my circumstances, I feel constrained, almost frozen, and I can't think about how to get out of that situation. It's very dis disconcerting. And I know that um, we all process with this kind of thing differently, but frequently, what I see in most people, and myself included, I, I see unhealthy behavior come out whenever people are facing these kinds of things. Some people, like I said, they're like me, they, they freeze, they're indecisive, and potentially codependent, right? Others will fight every bit um, to gain every bit of control that they can. Uh, they overburden themselves with responsibility as a way to, um, you know, deal with this sense of, of, of powerlessness. You know, people have many different ways to respond, but what I've been encountering lately in my own life is what it means to experience supernatural breakthroughs in these moments. I mean, how, how refreshing would it be to, to stare in the face of a situation that has power over you, you know, you can't do anything about it, but because of a supernatural God breakthrough in your life, you are able to continue moving forward in, with your life in very healthy ways, right? I mean, what area... I'm, I'm just going to ask this right now for you to think about what area of your life do you need a breakthrough in? Think about it. What would it be like to not feel the weight of that thing, to know that it doesn't have control over you anymore in the way that it used to? How much do you want that? This is where I think that God 
wants to engage with us today. To understand how the story of Jesus, his birth, his life, and his sacrifice point us to a reality of existence that is found in and through his redemption of us. A redemption that forms our identity in a way that nothing else can, right? This is the breakthrough that I've been praying for all week for every single one of us. And so today I want to read a little less traditional version of the Christmas story. And and this is from the Gospel of John. You're familiar with it. We're going to begin in chapter 1. But as we read, I want you to think about the journey that Jesus had to make to come to us and be with us, with his creation. So we're going to start in verse 1 of John chapter 1. The words are on the screen. I encourage you, though, if you have your Bibles, to go ahead and open them up. I think it's a wonderful habit for us to, to read from our Bibles. That way we can take notes and, and underline things. John 1, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Now to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, that is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace. Through every twist and turn of God's creation, that God's creation has made, Jesus has been there. 2,000 years ago, Jesus decided to live and walk and be among his people in order that, that his creation, that, that they might fully experience the presence of God. And while he was there, again and again, Jesus demonstrated to his creation that regardless of their situation or whatever was controlling them, that he would draw close to them, that he would be present with them, and that he would free them from their affliction. Jesus would break through everything to bring redemption to his creation. Have you ever felt unwanted or unworthy? And I don't mean necessarily in your relationship with God, but I mean in everyday life. Have you ever felt unworthy or unwanted? See, I've discovered um, that I often make excuses to not participate in things because I don't believe that I bring enough to the table. And, and, and this, this touches on that issue of control that I was talking about 
of before. The, 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 I am not in control of my abilities, and so sometimes I choose to skip out on things uh, that I might enjoy doing because I'm afraid to make myself vulnerable. Here's what I mean by that. Um, I did this recently. I was invited to play golf uh, with some friends. And, and in my mind, uh, I was able to come up with at least four excuses as to why I couldn't or shouldn't uh, go on this outing with them. And I could articulate them easy and quickly. I did. They, they came out really fast. These were, these were things that I had been thinking of for a while, right? Um, you know, I, I haven't played in a while, so I'm probably not good. My shoulder hurts. I... I need to buy new golf shoes in order to go. And then the last one that I thought about was the one that stuck with me. And I thought, and I said, I would just hold you all back. Right? You wouldn't have fun playing if I was there with you playing. And it, golf is an easy example for me to talk about. Um, but I had this profound realization after exploring this conversation. I believed... And this is really important. I believe that my skill level at golf determined my value to my friends. Let me say that again. My value as a person, as a friend, was determined by how well I could play the game of golf. <laughs> Let that sit in juxtaposition to the journey that Jesus made to come to earth and live among his creation. This, it almost seems ridiculous that thought. I mean, but the truth is, how many times do we limit ourselves because we don't understand the value that Jesus gives to us? Once again, golf is a silly example, but I think so many of us do this all the time. We create limitations based on our past, based on our health, based on our bank account, based on our education, based on any part of our lived experience much of which we have no real control over, right? And Jesus is sitting right there next to us saying, if you only knew how I see you. Let me tell you a story about when Jesus demonstrated this very thing. Uh, in John chapter 4, uh, Jesus went on a journey from uh, Judea to Galilee. And, and if you're familiar with the New Testament geography, then you know that these two reason, regions, Judea and Galilee, they're, they're about 90 miles apart from each other, separated uh, by a region known as Samaria. And, um, and so here's, a, here's an example of what I'm talking about here. So Jerusalem and Judea on, on the south end and then Galilee on the north end. And Jesus is going to take this route, this green route to Jacob's well. This is where our story uh, is focused today. Now, Samaria and its people were condemned by the Jews for many reasons, dating back to uh, the time after the Babylonian exile. Uh, Jews hated Samaritans and vice versa. Many people had lost their lives because of that hatred. Bloodshed was so common that, that often Jews traveling between Judea and Galilee would go around uh, Samaria, far, far out of their way, in order to avoid running into another Samaritan. Uh, but in this story, in this story, Jesus takes a different route directly through Samaria, and, and he winds up at Jacob's well right in the middle of the day. And there he meets with a Samaritan woman, and he asks her for a drink of water. Now, on the surface, on the surface, this story seems simple, but in context, it shows us an extravagant amount of love and acceptance and redemption from Jesus. 
So here, let's listen to this story and then discuss what Jesus was demonstrating. This is John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7 and um, follow along here. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you only knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So it was a, a radical move of Jesus to have this conversation with this woman. Uh, a couple of things to note here. Uh, as a known rabbi, most of the people uh, would think that Jesus would hold tightly to the expectations that a single male would not engage with a woman. And, and then if you add to that the fact that she's a Samaritan woman, this conversation was quite surprising. But Jesus, as we know, came to show how the redemption that he had was for every person, not just the Jews. Now, this is a bit of an aside, but I think the, the truth should challenge us to our core as followers of Jesus. The disciples, when, when, they, when they saw Jesus having a conversation with the Samaritan woman, they were surprised. Verse 27 says, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? They were surprised because this was not a normal thing for a person of Jesus' position to do. But there he is doing it. Now, How often do we as followers of Jesus bring his light to those who need it the most, even if they are unlike us, or if it contradicts what's socially acceptable for us? And I'm not saying this to, to anyone directly, but more just a commentary um, for Christianity as a whole and, and churches as a whole. See, Jesus went out of his way to bring Good news, his good news to, to someone. And this is, this is where we can feel relief. The breakthrough of redemption is not restricted to any class of people. It is for everyone who will drink from his well. Amen? One of the remarkable parts of the story's context is the discussion of the well. Samaria uh, was a, a very dry and very arid place. And the, the town where scholars believe that this took place, it had no free-flowing water, no streams, no rivers, right? Water there was, was um, ultimately fed by a spring underground. So when Jesus then says to this woman, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked him for a drink from living water, then at that point she would have been confused. Living water meant water that was flowing, water that was from a, um, a river, some kind of a moving water source. 
She knew where every well in the area was. See, she was a woman, and it was her job to collect water in the, um, usually in the mornings or in the evenings. And so she knew all of the area. Right? And then she says to him, even Jacob had to dig a well to water his animals. So how is it that this man, who is not from this area, from this region, how is he privy to this information that I know nothing about? And in this moment, what happens is she misses Jesus' intent, which is very common. In fact, we, we read about this in other stories in the Old Testament. Jeremiah the prophet, he talks to the people of Israel about this same thing. Jeremiah 2.13 says, my, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. For thousands of years, people have listened to the hope and the promises of God, but have misunderstood what it was that he was offering them. And in search of something to fix their issues, the things that keep them trapped in chaos and hurt and deception, ultimately what they do is they create their own solution, which only serves as a temporary fix, right? Ultimately, they dig broken cisterns, but Jesus... He's offering something that's alive and fresh and full of life. It doesn't have to be saved or stored up in some kind of a well because every day there is a new helping of his goodness if we would just drink of his living water. See, when we formulate a pattern of living that's in our own strength, we end up exhausting all of our resources in ourselves as well. But when we see that Jesus sits right next to us, right on top of the very broken cisterns that we have dug and made for ourselves, and he's offering us something that will resolve all of those troubles, that's when we can experience a breakthrough in our lives. Just think about a place in your life where you want to experience breakthrough. How How do you feel about yourself when you think of that? Truly imagine a place where, where you want the Lord in His power and His mercy and His love and His redemption to bring you a breakthrough. Think about that right now. And as you think about it, I, I want you to think about how you feel about yourself. And let's take a moment to explore those emotions, just to, 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 to identify what they are, name them. Do you feel shame in that place? Or do you feel embarrassment or anxiety? Do you feel powerlessness? Are you afraid of of what could happen to you or, or possibly someone else? What is it that you're feeling when you think about that area of your life that you want a breakthrough? I want you to hold on to that feeling, that what you're thinking about right now. And I want to shift gears a little bit. And I, I, want, to imagine, I want you to imagine now, if you would, that, that someone that you loved is going through those same emotions. Possibly a son or a daughter, maybe a brother or sister, a mother or father. Maybe it's a best friend. And, and because you know what those emotions feel like, you know that you can empathize with them. You can put yourself in their shoes because you felt that same feeling. So 
if you saw them experiencing that, what would you say to them? What would, what would you, how would you care for them in that moment of pain? Would you console them? Would you say words of affirmation or support? I, I know what I would do. I would embrace that person. I would, I would care for them. I'd let them know that they're accepted uh, by me no matter what they're feeling or what they're going through. That, that my love for them far exceeds whatever's going on in their life. Right? That they have my support. You see, in this story of this woman at the well and, and as Jesus is talking to her, um, she's an outsider. And this is something that's not incredibly obvious in the story. She was not only isolated as a Samaritan and a woman, but she was also isolated from the very people that she came from. Collecting water was a, a social activity that women did in the cool of the early morning or the evening. Women would gather together. They would connect with one another. But this woman, she was an outcast. She couldn't go with the other woman. She chose not to. And so she would choose to go by herself and collect water in the heat of the day. And Jesus met her right there in her isolation, in her shame, and in her sin. He met with her. Now, if we go back to that moment where we're thinking about someone else experiencing those emotions, and you think about that person that you love and that situation where they're feeling those emotions and how you might care for them, I want you to ask yourself this question, how much more do you think Jesus would reach out to them? How much more do you think Jesus would care for them? How much more do you think that he would love them? And then you can turn that in on yourself. In your own pain, in your own place of, of needing breakthrough, how much more does Jesus want to care for you? How much more does he want to embrace you that you might experience his powerful redemption? See, I've been on this emotional uh, journey lately, and I'm beginning to see how Jesus wants me to identify with his view of me. You know, there have been, there have been these moments of breakthrough for me where, where I've, I've had to let go of some old patterns of behavior, my old cisterns um, that, that weren't working anymore. And, and, and I've been able to picture Jesus standing beside me in some of those embarrassing moments, in those shameful moments, and I can hear his words of love and support being spoken over me. He's saying, I am for you. I'm not embarrassed by you. I love you. I've created you in a unique way for my purposes. And it's refreshing to hear those things. It's invigorating. It's, it's renewing. And, and as I experience this time with Jesus, where I can sense what he's doing with me, is the very same thing that he did with this woman at the well in Samaria. The very same thing that he would do with the leper or the blind man or the children that came up to him, right? It's, it's the same thing that he would do with any other sinner, the tax collectors. I can feel his compassion for me just as they felt his compassion for them. And in that moment, I experience a breakthrough. This is what Jesus has to offer all of us. See, Jesus didn't come to dwell among his people to condemn them, but to have compassion on them and lead them into redemption. 
And when we experience his compassion, our shame is broken, which is the beginning of our renewal and our redemption. Shame is what prevents us from living the life that Jesus calls us to. Shame hijacks everything in our life. We end up insulating ourselves from the people around us. We hide, we run, we defend, we fight. We choose not to go play golf. If shame goes unchecked, it will intensify and debilitate us. How many of you understand this truth deeply? How many of you in this room understand this truth as I do? Right? How many of you would like to experience breakthrough in your life today? A breakthrough in that place because Jesus is with us right here and right now. He has come to us to be our redemption. He will sit with us in in the darkest moments and compassionately care for us if we would let him. But it takes vulnerability. It requires us to face our shame and our embarrassment, our sin. It means that we have to be willing to set aside our way of living and live the way that Jesus knows is best for us. See, you are not unworthy of love, regardless of what you may believe. But if you, and if you lean into the truth of who Jesus is and what he feels about you, this is where um, Jesus is in, in the midst of your hurt. And these are, these are really important things to understand. All throughout Scripture, we read this again and again and again. Matthew 9.36 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He has compassion for you. Matthew 14, 14, when he went ashore and he saw a great crowd, he had compassion for them and he cured their sick. Matthew 20, 34, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. And and the woman at the well, when Jesus had compassion with her, her shame was gone and she experienced a breakthrough. If we listen to the rest of her story, we see this whole new pattern of living. Remember, she chose to isolate herself from the community that she was a part of because of her shame. And then as Jesus brought her redemption, this is what happened. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me all that I had ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Jesus comes to us right in the midst of where we are broken, where we are hurting, where we are ashamed, where we are embarrassed, and he says, I love you. Come and drink of this living water so you no longer have to thirst again. If that's what you want, then I encourage you to engage with him in this moment right now. Listen to his words that he's speaking over you, that he has compassion for you, that he loves you, that he accepts you, that you are a child of the Most High God, that you are forgiven, that you are redeemed. Jesus is here. He wants to meet with you. So will you sit with him 
and receive his blessing of redemption. Let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, the thoughts that we have in our minds might prevent us from understanding who you really are and what you believe about us, your creation. But we pray for a powerful breakthrough that can transform our mind, that can rewire our thinking, that can help us to understand that you love us, that you accept us, just as we are. So let us hear your words wash over us. Speak them over our, our lives right now, Jesus. Come. Tell us who you are and what you've come to do. And challenge us to believe those words and to follow you. Let us experience breakthrough in the midst of those places where we feel powerlessness. Where we're experiencing chaos and frustration. Help us to understand that you are enough. You are more than enough to bring us through those places, to care for us, to help us to understand who we are in the name of Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Meet with us here in this place. Let us engage with you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.